Okay, quiet on the set, everybody. Stand by. Roll camera. Speed. Roll sound. Speed. Market. And cue talent. Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Art Aldred, and this is a special live on-location edition of This Week in Production. I'm calling it TWIP on the Strip. Ba-boom! This Week in Production is produced by Art Aldrich. The thoughts and opinions expressed here are undoubtedly his own. You can reach Art at thisweekinproduction at gmail.com. You can also leave a voice message for Art at 601-564-TWIP. That's 601-564-8947. This is Don McGee. To book me for voiceovers, please call 908-451-6760. Thanks. Joining me in the TWIP suite, (laughs) high above the floor of Las Vegas, have the view of downtown Las Vegas Strip. I'm joined with guest Mr. Lou Lita. Good to be back. It's been a while. It has been a while. It's been a while in many ways. This is our first yeah, time back yeah. to Vegas for NAB in three, three years. Three years, yeah. Although we have been back here for other reasons. We have. But as far as a, a gathering of industry people, this is really the first in three years. Yep, since 2019. So before we get into the show and the, the things that we saw, the things we didn't see... Uh, what you liked, what you didn't like. Let's talk a little bit about the travel because the travel part of this had a interesting new twist. We were able to breathe easy, so to speak. Yes, this was my first trip without the mask mandate. I don't know about for you. Yeah, no, the first because it just it just changed a week ago, and we came out here what three days ago, four days ago. So what was your plan once you heard that there was only an option for the mask? Like, what was your plan? Were you planning to go masked? Uh, I had it on the ready because I thought it might have gotten reversed back again. Uh, But I was hoping it wouldn't. I mean, I, I feel pretty safe considering all the other work and travel and environments I've been in. Uh, in the last six months, so I didn't wasn't that concerned about it. I was more curious whether there was going to be tension with those that still chose to wear to wear it versus those that didn't. I, I without n- completely seeing, you know, the everyone on the flight, I would guess it was probably eighty five percent unmasked. Um, but you know, I'm a believer of like whatever makes you feel comfortable. I mean, I don't judge. It's like whatever you know you're comfortable doing, pretty much in life. That's what I'm for. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. I would say that um, probably ten percent of the people that I ran into were masked, mm-hmm. both in the airport and uh, on the on airplane. The flight, yeah, and then when we got to Vegas, um, especially the first day of the show, as just as far as masking goes, I don't know what you noticed, but I noticed that maybe slightly more people had masks on. On, on the first day than the rest of the week. I started to notice that there were less people wearing masks as the week went on. Yeah, I would say that. Uh, I also, you know, having worked NAB many, many years and with the onslaught of people from all over the world, um, even, you know, years ago, I always, you know, wondered, are we 
it's like a lot of people in your space, you know, breathing on you and excited to hear what you had to say about the equipment. In this case, it was Panasonic. You know, I almost kind of remember thinking, you know, should, should we have some sort of a bubble to protect us from, you know, this mass of humanity? So it's kind of ironic now. It's, you know, we've That's had very the... interesting that you had that thought back then. I did. Maybe it was a premonition. Um, but I just, you know, you had people from all over the world just... You remember, we lost our voice within an hour or two when we talked about P2 and some of the other products that shook up the market. So, um, but yeah, I, I did notice the same thing. And I did notice some, uh, especially the, the vendors, I think, you know, maybe to my argument, sort of protecting themselves from who knows who from all over the world. Yeah, more of the vendors had masks on, just like, you know the people behind the counters. And yeah, things. and it, maybe it was a, a mandate w within their own company or maybe it was just yeah, a personal absolutely. choice. But absolutely. I mean, but I respect it. And, and I did notice, you know, when people were were coughing or, you know, or again, it could have been from laryngitis or just the dry air, but you did have that little moment in your thought, like, oh, I wonder. <laughs> right, well, we, we were actually talking to someone yesterday at yes, the show. Yes, that's right. He I meant started to... coughing. Like he had he, to excuse himself. He backed away, and then he put his mask on before he came back to us, which I thought was nice. Yeah, but I, it was that was the moment that actually made me think of just saying that. It's like, right. uh, is this guy going to be okay? I think I even asked him. But, um, but, but no, I, I didn't. It felt like old times other than it wasn't as crowded as we remember. Well, before we get into that, the crowds, I mean, it was certainly, from my impression, uh, sort of business as usual, handshakes, hugs, high fives, like there was yep, no yep. real social, know, distancing? social distancing. No, I would, I would agree. Because uh, I think as humans, that's the way we interact. And it's going to probably take more than a pandemic to stop that. Um, you know, it's, in, it's sort of in you know, embedded in us to greet people that maybe we haven't seen in three, four, five, ten years to greet that way. You know, maybe it's just a knee-jerk reaction. It is totally human nature. Yeah. It is second nature to us, and we don't hesitate, you know, when it's acceptable. Well, and also, I, again, I speak for myself. I, I, I don't want to live afraid, you know? I mean, I'm 57 years old, and I want to live my life. And Wait, you're held. Uh, 57, <laughs> I, I believe. Is there a, is there a, a minimum of, uh, age to be on this podcast or maximum, I should say? As long so, as you're over 18, I yeah, think yeah, because okay. we are, uh, you know, who, yes, yes, who we are toasting and, and Don celebrating. Who, no, uh, yeah, no, no, no. I'm sorry, not this podcast is not brought to you by Don. Who no, and we apologize for that. This is the best we could get at the ABC. No, at oh, the CBS, CBS pharmacy. Yes, here in Las Vegas, <laughs> and maybe only in Las Vegas, can you go into the health and wellness store and buy. Buy alcohol, cigarettes, and firearms. I don't know about the firearms, but we're drinking Patron Reposado, the best that we can do. That's right. Cheers, and to, cheers you. to you and not to us and to Twip. So I did see one of the attendance figures that was published. I saw it on Twitter. I don't remember what the source was, but obviously it comes out of the NAB show office. And the attendance for the show total was something around 52,000. They only broke out uh, 12,000 international travelers, but one of the vendors told me that there was about 12,000 vendor registrations. So I don't know if those are mixed together, but if you back that out 
from 52,000. I think that leaves like six people came from the U.S. <laughs> and you we're may, two of them. You may want to check my math, though. It's not my strong suit. <laughs> and the pro of this was it was quite easy to walk around and see things and ask questions without standing in line. The negative, I guess, is like, what's this mean for the future of NAB and the status of the industry? Yeah, I mean, that's a bigger question, and I, I don't certainly don't know. I mean, honestly, I wasn't sure what to expect as far as crowds go. I know that we now we flew on Monday early. The show this year opened on a Sunday, which was a twist. Mm. Normally, it's Monday to Thursday. This year was Sunday to Wednesday. So when, uh, when we got to the show Monday morning, uh, there were definitely more crowds than I had anticipated. It actually felt a little bit more uh, normal, and I wasn't quite ready for that. Didn't expect it. But then as, you, as I walked around, and, and you know, I don't know how it was for you because you came a little bit uh, – actually, you came on day two. Yeah, I didn't make it in time on Monday. Or day three, technically. Yeah, technically on Tuesday, right? Right, but for me on day two, as I started to walk around – that's when I sort of noticed that, well, first of all, the South Hall wasn't open as, at all. Right. Like they Now, in the three years since we were here last, they've built a new hall. They've built a West Hall. And they bored a tunnel. And they did. They, they bored a tunnel. <laughs> the uh, Elon Musk boring company mm-hmm. um, has now these tunnels that go from West Hall to central and south, and and there's plans to expand this loop system according to the the Tesla driver that we had, right? Um, that to expand this around the city to all the major hotels, but it was quite interesting. You could get on this um, in in a Tesla. They had fifty or sixty of them, I think they said. Yeah, sixty. And that you could go underground between the the West Hall. And then the Central Hall, and then if you needed to, the South Hall, we went there by mistake, thinking it was open, and it was not. So the show was a little reoriented. We had the North Hall, we had the Center Hall, and and we had the West Hall. So it was a little different, but as I walked around even the the Central Hall and the North Hall, the space was probably two-thirds of what it used to be. Mm. And it just felt like there were less vendors there the west hall was new that's where they put all of the like ip companies not all of them because not everyone i guess wanted to be in that area because like live view was in the north hall but a lot of streaming companies were in the west hall Mm. so that hall was new it certainly was not filled and all the sessions i think were in in north and west now in the conference rooms i again it's a big expansion. It's a big hall, this West Hall. So it's a little hard to judge it compared to what we remember as normal. But there were definitely some vendors that were missing that I was surprised by. There were definitely vendors that were reduced drastically. Drastically, yes. Like Zacuto. Yes, yes. I mean, <laughs> drastically reduced their size of their booth. And then, of course, there were you know a bunch of no-shows like Matthew's Equipment. Big no-show at NAB. Mm, DJI. DJI, no-show at NAB. So what were your impressions about the floor, the vendors, anything that you uh, noticed? I, I mean, you know, I've always found uh, some inspiration in the 
in the pageantry of NAB and in the presentations and the, you know, it, I mean, we work in video, you know, we're paid to be creative and technical and take advantage of the tools, figure out which tools we need to do our job. So I always get sort of motivated, re re-energized seeing, you know, I didn't, there was nothing that ne necessarily wowed me per se. Um, you know, I, I saw the usual players, the Panasonics, the Sonys, the Canons, Black Magics, you know, and it's just the stuff is, it, it, I didn't find anything brand new, revolutionary. I mean, starting to see more AK and, you know, very inexpensive, high quality cameras. And, you know, I, I guess probably the biggest thing I, my takeaway was all the light manufacturers, you know, LED lights and the advancements in those. And I mean, companies I've never heard of, but there are a lot of light options now at all levels. So, but you know, monitors, cameras, lenses, lights, tripods, you know, accessories, software. I noticed Blackmagic had a huge booth really pushing DaVinci that you and I spoke about as maybe we need to take that seriously as an editing system. Even though you're a Final Cut guy, I'm an Adobe guy, but you know, they are probably the software for coloring and for colorists and certainly seem pretty solid as an editing system too. Yeah, I mean the the Black Magic booth used to be in the South Hall and that was the booth space that Apple had originally occupied back in mm. the heydays. And I guess it's a little competitive like between I'd say Sony and Black Magic as to whose booth was the biggest. I would say Sony's was the darkest. Yes, Sony's was the darkest. Their space seemed to be about the same size as last year. I'll be honest, Blackmagic seemed to be about the same size as they have been in the past. Their booth was just spread out, maybe square footage-wise a little bigger. Mm, a lot of open space. A lot of open space. And, you know, definitely they think they had a lot of, they always have a lot of buzz about things. I, I would agree with you, though, there was nothing super revolutionary uh, in talking, and I talked to many vendors, even vendors that I don't use their products, just to get a sense about where things are in supply chain logistics. And they all said the same thing. Component shortages mm. are a problem, and they're going to continue to be a problem for at least another year. And it's every, it's every vendor, it's every manufacturer, it's in so many components... Um, for example, I was talking to I was talking to one of the streaming uh, vendors, and they were saying you can't get a uh, 5G modem right now. Like they're just not available. So if you're doing anything that deploys cellular 5G, you'd have no product to ship. Wasn't there somebody offering us one on the street yesterday? <laughs> there was a, a homeless person had a, a hot deal on a 5G router for some reason. Not, not sure how, what that was about. But I think in general, I think there were many companies that probably said, listen, we have nothing, literally nothing to show new, and we have nothing to sell, hmm. and so we're not wasting our money right now on NAB. Which, which makes sense. I mean, if if they're not there to promote or sell or have product to sell, I mean, it's a lot of money to be out here, you know, as a presenter, as a company, you know, for the lodging, the food, the booth space, the employees. So I guess companies have to really look hard at the value cost proposition, as they say. That's true. And and in just in my walking around, because I, I did spend three days 
in you know every part of the hall. And this is what always kills me. There are always vendors that I wanted to see, couldn't find their booth or thought they weren't there. And then I see some video pop up on YouTube of, oh, hey, like, for example, Promise uh, Storage. Didn't even see them at the show at all. And I walked around almost every nook and cranny of the floor. They must have been in someone else's booth, but they had a little stand. And they had some stuff to, sh but I couldn't find them. It didn't. But you saw it online. I did see it online. So it almost makes you wonder: Could these kind of shows be more online? You know, and them spending their money in other ways. Right. Well, we'll, we'll get to the value of the show as as a in person event in a minute. But in terms of buzz, just at the floor, any booth that I've seen. The one booth that I felt was any time of day that I went there and it was buzzing with activity was the Amazon, the AWS. Oh, I didn't. Amazon I didn't see Web them. Services. They were in the West Hall okay, with I didn't all see the them. digital streaming. But any time that I went into that hall, their booth was buzzing. Mm. People literally all around. They had a nice two floor, two story, you know, booth and always packed. And I think that just you know, is a little bit of a tell, you know, about where this industry is headed and where people are interested in, in ideas, products, services, mm. because even like compared to black magic, way more people at Amazon on a, on a hourly basis. Right. I mean, and I guess the video, the video of me in me, you know, is always more interested in the hands-on tools and the, how do I make beautiful images and create, where I know you come from a little different place, so you're paying a little more attention. I come from Mars. <laughs> I'm not going to go there. Any any other observations as far as which booths had the, the juice, the jazz, the energy from your observations in strolling around the halls? Mm, as I said, I, I felt there was a lot going on over at... Um, at Black Magic, Adobe, you know, they just released their new version of Premiere, so there seemed to be a lot of interest in that. And because I, as a Premiere user, I just downloaded the new version and I was learning things. I mean, I could have spent some more time there, but again, I'll, I can go online and there's plenty of tutorials and whatnot. You know, probably my biggest shocker was Panasonic. Uh, you know, having been associated in a big Panasonic user for years. And having worked NAB with them in their massive booth, usually one of the biggest ones, it had really shrunk. And it was good to see some people I hadn't seen in years. And, I, you know, there's some nostalgic uh, aspects to it, obviously. But it was pretty shocking to me to see how much smaller their booth was. I mean, certainly a lot of interest. And, in, you know, they still make great products that I use today. Well, I mean, in terms of the Panasonic booth, I mean, what was surprising to me is that they had no cinema cameras no. in their booth at all so in I, which we both own i own you know several varicam mm -hmm. lts i have a bunch of the smaller p2 cameras i mean they had one of the p2 cameras in there, the cx350 but none they had no high-end cinema cameras in their booth it's all robotics mm. it's all uh, the eng shoulder mount mm -hmm. camera or it's their their switcher which uh, right and that's basically their whole booth yeah, shocking. But it's all, again, it's all like what they have to sell. Right, that's like we, true. We heard from uh, one of the uh, sales engineers that the small uh, P2 camera, the CX350, is back ordered for multiple months. months yeah. You know, because they just can't 
I guess they can't make them because of component shortages. But there's still a demand for them. It's still demand. But again, it's like, what do you have to ship? And, and do you put energy into showing products that you know you can't deliver to people? And I think that's... Right. That's a vendor question that, you know, I obviously can't answer, but I think a lot of vendors just decided, you know what, we're going to skip. Mm. We're going to skip this year because we can't ship anything and we don't worry. We don't want to have to tell people we can't ship. Right. It's not a good look. Right. You know, because people will find someone that can ship or can sell or they'll buy used, you know. I mean, I guess to answer your question, Canon seemed like they had a, a lot of buzz. I mean, they have so many cameras. I mean, it's dizzying. You know, um, studio cameras as well as DSLR, you know, mirrorless. Uh, they just came out with a new C300 Mark III, which I didn't know anything about. And we both have owned the original C300. But it's it's getting complicated to differentiate, you know, and now as we're moving towards 6K, 8K, you know, and frame rates and codecs and, you know, lens mounts and, you know, it's hard to decide i mean personally i was kind of eyeballing you know a smaller camera for my gimbal you know i'm still have my panasonic eva as my primary camera which i'm still perfectly satisfied with but i i'm looking for a smaller footprint and you know there's the usual players the canons the sony's the interesting in that point about you know showing up and having things to sell there was a, a newcomer in the camera space that we've both looked at. We didn't spend a lot of time. I, I know I didn't dive in too closely because I'm not looking for that type of a product. But it's a company called Bosma, which I've never heard of. And they had a very small booth with a very uh, unflashy, minimalist uh, display. And they just had two cameras shown, box cameras with 8K sensors. One had a full-frame sensor. One had a Super 35. No other information, no pricing, no availability, no real specs. and Sure to be a hit. I mean, but, you know, it's almost like, okay, why show that? It's not available. I, I don't know. Test the waters, I guess, you know? I, yes. I, Hoped, I, hope to get bought out, maybe? Maybe. And, of course, they probably didn't have to spend a large amount of money to get to NAB. I'm sure it was a very... Yeah, you know, two or three people in the in the booth in right. a very small booth. Minimal minimal setup. So, you know, that that is a question that vendors have to answer for themselves as to what's the value in the show at any given point. And I'll ask you this as a professional and your desire to be physically in an environment like an NAB, other types of shows is there, in your opinion, still value in these types of, of physical gatherings? I would say so. I mean, there's just still an energy and, you know, a buzz and you can, you know, hold the equipment, you can see it for real and get a sense of like, is this legit? Is this company behind the product? Is who's using it? Just things you, you just, it's not going to translate online. So I would say yes. Plus, you know, just the uh, change of scenery is sometimes nice, especially in, you know, last last few years, not having the chance to come to a show like this. Now, do I need to come every year? Maybe not. Will I? It depends if you invite me. There's several factors, I think, uh, or several, you know, components to a trip like this that have value. One is seeing product, seeing new product, being able to touch it, being able to talk to people at the 
highest levels of a given company. Right. Then there's the social component, which is, you know, your peers and people that you see maybe sometimes once a year. Um, I didn't really do much socialization with peers in the industry. I'm just a little burned out on these like big super meet events and it's more pushing sales and things right, like that. Right. And it's hard to <clears throat> scanning have, your badge. That's it's what hard it's about. to have <laughs> conversations like, so for me from that standpoint, I don't think there's, you know, a tremendous interest in it, but I know other people have that, that, uh, interest in that social aspect and then there's the the travel part and at least what what we try to do is incorporate some downtime into these trips i don't want to say vacation but you know we're taking a couple days we're going to play golf we're going to do some things that are not directly related to work but it's part of the process and our our um, escapism impression and things like that so so for me and i'll give you the the main reason and this is this happened twice this year, and it happens every year that I come here. And this is why I continue to to attend these shows. Uh, I was in the booth of OWC. I wanted to see what was new. I use a lot of OWC product. The one thing that I was struggling with this year was, or in the past two years, was getting a hold of large scale raids. Right. I use a lot of Promise. Uh, Pegasus raids. I have like three or four different chassis. I've deployed multiple chassis for my client from Promise. And in the past two years, you've not been able to buy Promise raids. And I don't know why exactly, but supply chain. Well, something with supply chain. So I'm in the OWC booth and I am looking at what they have, what's new, what's, you know, interesting. And I strike up a conversation with someone just about um, what was new. And they were talking about some of their RAID storage boxes. And I go, oh, yeah, you know, I'm familiar with your stuff. I am not that interested because it uses Software RAID, a product called Soft RAID. They own that, OWC. And they deploy that in their products. And I said, you know, that's great. It's just not for me. I had a problem with it once. And... I just don't trust it, and I prefer hardware raids like Promise, like um, I have some small tree boxes that use a ZFS file system. And then as I'm talking to this gentleman, he goes, well, I am the author of the soft raid program. Like, I developed it. I sold it to OWC. I work at OWC now. And, you know, I'm curious as to what your exact problem was. And by the way, your ZFS RAID is a software RAID, which my vendor never mentioned to me. I was under the impression that I had a hardware RAID system in the ZFS system. And indeed, it is software based. And in having this conversation with the gentleman who is by all means, an authority, an expert in software RAID explained to me how and why software you know, RAID 5 works and why it's no longer really an issue to have it in hardware. And it really opened my eyes to a oh, lot you of were, things. Oh, you were quite ecstatic when you had just come from that encounter. Right. Arthur meets the author. Right, right. <laughs> but that does not happen. That conversation does not happen right. unless I'm at NAB with that right. gentleman. So that little nugget right there 
may have been worth the entire trip it, to you. It absolutely was. And, and that happened on a couple of other occasions. So I'm in the Atomos booth, and I'm, I'm looking at their new Ninja V hardware, which has this ability to go camera to cloud inside of Frame.io, which is something that I'm looking to do. And I'm, I look down, and I'm talking to uh, Wes Plate. Wes Plate is a gentleman who wrote uh, the automatic duck plugins back in the early days of Final Cut Pro to go to X uh, from uh, Final Cut to Pro Tools and back. And again, another industry expert, um, someone who you know you don't normally get to interface with. And we had a great conversation about the you know the Atomos camera to cloud product and, and just got some nuggets of information that I probably wouldn't have gotten any other way. So for me. When you add up those factors alone, it's worth it. Then you put in the social and the decompression factors in these types of trips. I find them beneficial. Mm. In terms of things that I saw at the show that were interesting or exciting, I would say for the most part, I didn't see anything that wowed me. I mean, I don't think there was anything revolutionary that I saw. But one thing that's been shown, and it's more and more every year, that I am, I guess, curious about is the the video wall, the virtual set, the virtual production component where you're using uh, Z-Space capture and motion tracking and you're able to have these virtual sets that move with the camera, move with the lens. They're very interesting, they're very complex, but the amount of people in the space uh, is expanding and the the displays are impressive mm. the technology is impressive i i'm still a little overwhelmed by the process i mean i i can't quite wrap my head around it but i am trying to see if i can fit this into some of my my corporate work because i think there's a good use case for it i just i haven't found the path right but we i did spend some time we spent some time on the last day talking to a couple of vendors and i i will pursue that but that was probably the thing that caught my eye the most as far as new and exciting technology they're using the you know this unreal engine to do all this live manipulation of data it's pretty impressive yeah i i kind of opened my eyes too i mean it, it again these are the kind of things even if i don't necessarily invest in it it allows me to maybe visualize something that i can do or pitch to somebody and if there's interest in it then we know who to contact. What's the what's your take as we uh, we draw this episode to a close? What is your take on uh, Las Vegas as a um, destination in the the pandemic era? Do you think it's come back? Uh, my my sense is it's not that crowded here. I mean, I again I harken back to the heyday when it was impossible to find a cab. Um, or get a reservation, you know, we've had no problem. Of course, Uber has changed the, the, the game in terms of moving around from place to place. Um, you know, I, I found the whole Tesla, you know, uh, tunnel interesting. And, you know, they've got a monorail here. You've got the, you know, the main strip here. And now you've got tunnels being built. And I think they mentioned that's expanding. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's interesting, you know, from that end, you know, the infrastructure of Vegas. But... You know, Vegas continues to grow, and there's the glitz of it all. Um, but, I, you know, I, I've been here so many times now, I'm sort of, sort of jaded. 
But, you know, there's always an energy here that gets you kind of fired up. You know, just last note on the, the travel part of the trip. So we booked through NAB Housing, a hotel that um, we hadn't stayed at. Normally, oh, right. we stay Planet Hollywood. Yeah, I we're stayed, right in the thick of things on I the strip. stayed at Aria yep. on occasion. But normally, we, we've spent many a year in the Planet Hollywood, and there's fond yes. memories there. Oh, yes. So we booked a different um, hotel. We thought it was next to Planet Hollywood. <laughs> it went by a similar name to another property. And in um, a little bit of a shock to me, we were not uptown on the Strip. We were way downtown. On downtown. The strip. <laughs> we're at a, at a Hilton uh, vacation. Grand vacation. Word of warning, there are multiple Hilton properties here. So yes. check the location before you book. Right. It's, it's not quite a hotel. It's more of a timeshare program. But I guess they opened it up to, because it came through the NAB housing um, program, so they opened it up to uh, hotel guests. So a little bit of a shock because we're not really near the stuff we're normally near Bellagio and the Paris Hotel and the right, Gordon right. Ramsay Steak and the mm. stuff that we normally do. So it's been a little different. We're a little insulated from the hustle and the bustle. But there's something to be said for that too. Well, I was a little decompress. Say, it's kind of a decompression chamber. It feels a little more relaxed in general. Like the, you're not pressured by the constant bing, bing. And you bing. know, there's no, there's no casino in this property. Nope, nope. And again, like there's no outside stimulation from strippers and uh, <laughs> hawksmen and freaks. Let's oh just no, there's say. a few freaks. A few, but way, way less. Yes. <laughs> way less. So that's been different. I actually enjoy it. I would maybe consider doing a type of property like this that's away from the main part of the strip. It, it was a little refreshing, I'd have mm. to say. Agreed. But again, Uber ride 10 minutes away from the the hustle and bustle, if that's what you're looking for, and great breakfast place over at Sahara. So, oh, yeah, I wouldn't say great, but better yeah. better than what we had here at the Hilton. True. Better than the, the cafeteria style here. Okay, so for this week in production, I'm Art Aldridge. Live, twip on the strip. Twip on the strip, and we will <laughs> Copyrighted. See <you>. Trademarked. <laughs> Trademarked. We'll see you next time. See ya. Do you have something to say? Drop me an email at thisweekinproduction at gmail.com. Or even better, call our new TWIP voice mailbox and leave us a message. 601-564-TWIP. That's 601-564-8947. Also, a reminder that This Week in Production is available on all major podcast platforms, including Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play. So please subscribe to get every episode. Lastly, if you like what you hear, would you mind giving me a rating or a review? I'd appreciate that. Okay, that's a wrap on this week in production. Thanks for listening.